Welcome to Tranos and the Lived Experience, a podcast confronting current events, politics, comedy, and calamity, all from the perspective of a trans titaness. She's a verbal black belt, skilled in the art of roasting, the hellmouth, doomsayer, CEO of the Amazon position. Here's your host, Cameron Ellen Terrell. Hello, everyone. Happy Camiversary. This is Trinos and the Lived Experience, a year in review. Before we get started, I want everybody to know this episode is dedicated to my dear friend and dearly departed, Jonathan Huber, a.k.a. Brody Lee, b.k.a. Huber Boy 2. I miss you. It's been 365 days since you passed, and um, this show wouldn't exist without you. You were part of it, and this one's for you. Now... Now that we've got that out of the way, I'm going to try to keep my wits together. I'm your host, Cameron Ellen Jarrell, a.k.a. Tranos. Say that shit with your whole chest or find out what girl glizzy tastes like. And that's on my mama. Don't believe me? Look, I'm playing with you. (laughs) This is Tranos in the lived experience. The show that bags up art like weight and we ain't fronting shit. Please believe that. Uh, today's episode is Camiversary. It's been 365 days since we launched. Um, we've talked over a number of topics in the last year, about 25 episodes. I know most people break those up into seasons. I'm not really sure like why I would do that. So I'm guessing that if most series are eight episodes a season, I'm guessing I'm on season three, which I mean, like we made it to season three in one year, so... Let's give it up, let's give it up, let's give it up, you know what I'm saying? Got some new technology here, I'm going to be playing with buttons today, hope that doesn't annoy you, and if it does, fucking leave. Don't take yourself so seriously. This episode is brought to you by the pairing of music and marijuana, as usual. Today's song is a shout out to my boy, Huber, um, What's Golden by Jurassic 5. There's been plenty of times on the road where we just kind of jammed out to this. At one point, it was Brody's like theme music. Uh, he would come strutting out into it. Most people don't re- remember those days. It was back in the Indies when he would wear, like, Kango caps and cheetah print. Uh, he was a pretty funny guy. Um, yeah, so that's dedicated to him. And the episode strain that's going to keep me sane and stop me from crying during this episode is Pink Rosé by Cookies. If you're looking for a potent THC powerhouse, Pink Rosé is what you're looking for. It's clocking in at about 25% THC, which is the winner in my book. I know they go a little bit, like you can get higher, you can get 31 with other strains. You can get up to some as high as 37 I've seen in this area. But 25 is a nice little high. Um, This is a winner. Uh, hybrid from the breeders at Cookies. Thank you, Cookies. I swear, like, I should get a sponsorship from y'all because most of the shit that I smoke on these shows, most of the pipes that I use, my tray, all of that is by Cookies. So, Cookies, um, start looking out for a bitch. A little bit more information about that. The strain is a cross of Limoncello 10 and LPC 75. So, let's get into it. Uh, what brought about the show? Like, so, um, about... Almost two years ago now, I met Felicia Rose. Um, I was angsty. I was still kind of, that was my first like real show back to professional wrestling. And I was super uncomfortable 
a lot of people like we talked about in wrestlers well don't really see me as who i say i am so i was just kind of feeling really uncomfortable and doing a lot of like covering up which is what i do i i crack jokes it's a defense mechanism for when i feel lonely or scared or anxious so i become a, a stand-up comedian which i'm not really good at i don't really write down jokes i just kind of spew what comes to my mind and i met Felicia backstage at a show we were both just kind of sitting outside like shooting the shit both of us kind of anxious about being in what we would both see as a new place at that point and we just kind of hit it off and I was just not knocking out quips and like just being funny just trying to make her comfortable while also trying to remain comfortable myself um she was the only person who really treated me like a girl that night she was the only person who acknowledged who I was that night and I remember being pretty buzzed up about that and just being like wow I made like an actual friend that sees me for who I am and doesn't like remember Gabriel Saint which I mean it's a gift in itself a lot of times I'm consistently um I'm consistently weighed by the actions of Gabriel Saint and he wasn't real I remember getting home that night and being really like like hyped up and like messaging um messaging Brody and let him know like how everything went. Like I got to wrestle Sunny Kiss that night. I was super nervous. Um this was my first time like back in the ring versus a name in almost five years. Um new body that I had to get used to when I left wrestling. I was a lot heavier and a lot like more muscle and when I came back I was a lot of not that. Don't judge me. Um when you come back with uh, titties, lipstick, and long hair, you kind of just drop into the wrestling scene. Everybody just hasn't seen you for four years, and then you just kind of show up on some, like, Surprise, motherfucker. you know what I mean? Like, it was kind of like that feeling. I remember talking to him and just, like, telling him, like, how I felt and the ideas that I was having and, like, feeling like I was a burden for, like, constantly, like, just, like, dropping, like, these thoughts and things that I had. And he was like, do you, like, keep a journal or do you write these things down? And I was like, I don't really need to write them down. I used to keep journals when I was younger, but like as a foster kid, you're kind of always in, oh, afraid of someone like imposing on your property or uh, getting into your personal space. So I just never like kept those kind of things around. I would hide them and then lose them or it would be too bothersome to try to put things in a book that I didn't feel comfortable leaving anywhere. Explain to him how I was feeling about it. And he was like, like, why don't you just do like a podcast? Like you can do that. Like, and you're smart enough to do it. And I, I just had never thought about that kind of thing. And then I just kind of wrote it off because like Brody's always giving me ideas and calling me a nerd. So I was just like, yeah, like, yeah, there's more nerdy shit for you to make fun of me of. So I just kind of put it off. And then like a couple months in the COVID, like I was like feeling really bad and like things were just like kind of spiraling out for me. And I just felt like I didn't have an outlet with the, the, loneliness and the isolation that I was feeling and am still currently feeling almost two years later. And um, I got to talking and I did an interview with um, Felicia Rose and A-Love on The Screw. It was like the first time I had been interviewed on a podcast that had nothing to do with wrestling. And I was super excited. And like the energy was just right. And it just felt like good having a conversation about things that I didn't feel like I could share with other people while also sharing them kind of with the world and like after being on like that show and like having those conversations with A-Love and, and Felicia Rose like it was just kind of opened my eyes to like maybe this is a thing that I can do 
but I wrote it off for a few more days. And then Felicia reached out to me. She often checks up on me once in a while. And we just got to talking. And she was like, girl, like, why don't, like, like I, me and A-Love are thinking about helping you get this thing started. And, like, directing you and, t- and telling you, like, like what you need to do to get this thing going. And I was like, I would appreciate that. Just kind of being like, yeah, people have told me that they'll help me before. And they just kind of forget. Um, they didn't forget. And. 365 days later, I am now one of the partial owners of NQO. I also am the host of Tranos and the Living Experience, and you're listening to it now. It's a labor of love. I know it's not everybody's cup of tea. Um, I'm not here to serve everyone. There's a small demographic of people that I'm aiming for, and if you are currently listening, you are it. Uh, thanks for being here. Uh, congratulations on sticking with me, and uh, happy anniversary. Um, yeah, like, uh, we've talked about a little bit of everything this year. We've talked about like safe spaces. We've talked about problematic allies. We've talked about violence in the community. Um, we've talked about my love for marijuana. Um, we've talked about like my aesthetic and, um, dysphoria. And I kind of want these conversations to keep going on, but I don't want to run out of ideas or burn out the, the fan. So, um, what I'm going to ask you to do during this episode is um, when it's over, take a little bit of time and just kind of like look up my social handles. I'll give those to you right now on Twitter. It's user at the Tranos. That's at the T-H-E-T-R-A-N-O-S. And then on Instagram, follow us and it's at Tranos Lives and that's T-R-A-N-O-S-L-I-V-E-S. And then for any TikTok users who want to go by and show me some love, it's at the Tranos, and that's all small, like small case, T-H-E-T-R-A-N-O-S. Um, I want you to hit up my socials and just kind of give me some ideas of things that you would like to hear me talk about, things that you would like to share and you think that we should move towards more of a call-in situation where I might be interviewing some of you or tell me things about who you would like to hear in the show, topics that that you want to hear my perspective on or you would like to help me expound on. Like, this isn't just a celebrity interview show. I don't know a lot of fucking celebrities. And even if I did, I don't think a lot of them would take the time out for a podcast um, unless someone can prove me wrong. But today's topic was supposed to be, and we're still going to touch on that. Today's topic was supposed to be about the algorithm and uh, algorithm trauma. Algorithm trauma on the TikTok. Let's talk about the TikTok. So TikTok has a very weird algorithm compared to Facebook. Facebook kind of just like builds its algorithm based upon your friends list um, and things that you like over time. Uh, The algorithm for TikTok kind of builds based upon who you look at, what you like, what sounds you use. So it's a very weird situation because it changes based upon images. It changes based upon like there's these different directions you can go. Thus a map inside of TikTok where it's like uh, dark talk, trans talk, um, melanin talk, uh, black talk. Um, There's just a bunch of those things that you can get into. And then subscribing to some of those things and falling into those like wormholes. Um, As a black trans woman, I find that I gravitate towards black trans people like I, I gravitate towards like the lgbtq and like um black talk and i also like gravitate towards trans talk and and, and femme talk and like dysphoria talk and in doing those things i find a lot of the time 
that in the midst of me scrolling up and down, looking for a way to like appease like the ADHD, CPTSD anxiety that I'm having, that I end up falling into these snare traps where I am overly seeing trauma, and be it transphobia, be it assaults on trans people, be it assaults on black bodies, attacks on black women, <laughs> homophobia, uh, the erasure of pansexuality, the erasure of non-binary people, you find yourself as a minority gravitating towards things that you are most like, but in doing so, the way that like allies will set it up and the way that some of these people are doing their content is centered around other people's trauma. And it gets really easy to fall into those things. And like, I would like to hear from some of you at my social medias about how that's affected you. All right, case in point, if I scroll through my TikTok right now, and I go through 10 videos uh, out of the 10 videos, some of them being from a minute uh, as long as to three minutes out of all of those out of those 10 videos, seven of them will be trauma, trauma based seven. And that's just based upon my intersectionality. So it makes it very hard to navigate like like you're, you're, you're one day you're like watching like a really good black baker and she's like introducing you to something really good and like it's very it's very thought provoking it it seems very like like almost like a small television show where you're getting to watch this new artist like like figure out what their niche is and then like the very next video is a cop beating up someone the video after that is some incel telling women how to dress the video after that is some turf telling a trans women they don't exist the video after that is some like cis man challenging trans masked people um, it's just very easy having the number of intersectionalities that I currently have for that stuff to happen. And I just was wondering, like, how that plays into my already, like, tattered and broken mental, like, state currently. Um, trying to think more positive, be more positive without being positively toxic, because that's actually a fucking thing. I can't um, tell you how many times I've spoken to people in the last year regarding my own show and been like, hey, tell me a little bit what you think. And they're like, it just seems dark and gloomy all the time. And I'm like, wow, that's all you had was it's just it's not it didn't teach you anything. You're not growing from it. There's nothing that you can glean from that. Nothing to make you do any like self inspection. Nothing. It's just oh, it's just it just seems like a seems like a bummer sometimes. And I'm like, well, Jesus, I mean, like. It is my existence, pretty much. It's the lived experience. That's why it's called Tranos and the lived experience. It's just a little glimpse into what my like my life would be like, or any trans person my age who might live in this area might experience. And I'm, I'm guaranteeing that I'm not the only one who feels that way or has to live that experience. But it must be nice to like just kind of like channel out of it, like to just kind of leave it for a while. But like looking at like my Twitter account and looking at like my Instagram, like my Instagram is a place where I go to just like kind of like look at pictures of marijuana and beautiful women of all kinds. That's where I go to like get that stuff. And it's very visual. It's not a lot of writing that goes into it. Not a lot of like huge thought that goes into my own personal page. The, the Tranos page is more of an advertisement thing, letting people know what episodes are coming up, things that have happened. So that's kind of being handled by other people. But my personal page is just kind of a, 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 a looking box. It's just a box that I get to look into. And I just kind of get to clip through slides until I find something aesthetically pleasing and I lock into it. 
But TikTok's so much more than that because when you go in there, you're like, what recipes am I going to find? What art am I going to see? What crafts are people making? What new technology is there? And in the swirl of all of that, it always comes back to some intersectional trauma that I have to endure and like it's even in my getaway, like most people get on talk, TikTok to just kind of melt into their couch and forget about what's going on for a couple of minutes. I can scroll and like scroll up and down for like an hour. And like I guarantee you, 75 percent of the content that I will come across will be um, some intersectionality or some downtrodden people being oppressed, being attacked, being followed. And it's like, it's how do you get away from that? Like, I had a couple conversations with my foster sister. She's not really here right now. She's at home taking care of my, my niece. Well, we had some conversations about that. And she just suggested, like, what if you just look at other things? And I'm like, that's cool. I can try that. Now, of no fault of her own, like, she doesn't know. Uh, she doesn't know what the experience of like kind of scrolling through that and seeing yourself that being oppressed that many times from so many different perspectives. So it's not that it's like, it's not that she said something dumb. She didn't say anything dumb at all. She suggested something that she thought would be really helpful. And to some, it would be, but with so many intersectionalities, it's super hard because if I just scroll to something else, I'm watching something about the indigenous pipeline wars that are going around right now. I'm like, wow, how did I get here? And it's like, I can't ignore that because they can't ignore it. And then I scroll to something else. I scroll to the next video and the next video is like a trans or, or a young LGBT person being kicked out of their house or denied their identity. Like there's one trans mask um, who is currently on TikTok. I don't want to give out their name because they are minor. And like, it's just a conversation with his parents, like invalidating him and then gaslighting him. It's just two adults bullying a trans child. And I, it's just, it just triggers me. It reminds me of conversion therapy. It reminds me of what people said um, about me when I was young. And it just makes my heart hurt. And like, I instantly feel the need to like charge in the battle for them. And I've learned from my time on TikTok and I've learned from my time on the internet in general that running into the fray um, doesn't always help and it sometimes hurts a lot like it just brings me back to that moment where you feel super helpless and you want to help somebody but what if you get in the way what if you make things worse what if you what if that person is is, is so harmed that they did they what if they don't trust you there's so much things that go through your mind when that's happening. And that's the plight of being on TikTok. Something that other people use as a getaway becomes this tool of a of trauma for me. It's not entertaining all the time. Like, it's just not. And I know, like, oh, you're asking a little much from, like, an app made for children. But it's not made for children. It's, it's made for intellectuals. It's made for thought-provoking artists. It's made for craftsmen. It's made for, like, it's it's made for gamers. It's made for, there's, there's all these different universes in there. But every universe that my intersectionality touches, touches trauma. You got allies on there who will gladly show minorities being like accosted will gladly show them being beaten we'll talk about like what's going on with them being beat or or robbed or like uh, sexually harassed and then it just becomes trauma porn for some people where it's just like you're showing these images of this happening over and over and over again so there's there's no like 
there's no median between like not seeing it at all and using it as a device to get to get clout. There's no median. And it's like if I wanted to like leave reality and disassociate into the digital world only to be inundated with reality. I mean, TikTok's the place to go. But we're going to take a small break. I'm going to pack a, a bowl of pink rosé. I'm going to hit this. Um, we're going to take a few seconds and let some affiliates drop some on here so we can get a little bit of um, cash flow going over here because a bitch got to eat. Talk to you soon. Hey there, podcast fans. I'm Hannah Harkness, writer, director, and star of the first fake podcast in the world, Kate's Bunker. Kate's Bunker sounds like a real podcast, but it is a scripted comedy about a podcaster living underground while navigating a divorce and remotely interviewing guests, ranging from aliens from Staten Island to tarot card readers from L.A. to demons from God knows where. Kate's Bunker releases bi-weekly on Thursday nights right here on New Queer Order Network and anywhere that podcasts are listened to. You can find us at Kate's Bunker on Twitter or Instagram. And now, back to your scheduled program. The truth is down here. And we're back. Like, we're back. I know, like, a lot of you were like, oh, is this, like, blatant capitalism? Well, this is kind of my job, like, now since COVID hit. This is the thing that I'm doing now. So I just appreciate Take some time to listen to our affiliates. But let's get back into what we were talking about. Um, How does one tailor the algorithm to weed some of that stuff out when they're in crisis or in breakdown? Like... Give me some ideas. Once again, like um, I, I mentioned my socials at the top of the hour. If you have any good ideas, you want to send me a message. Feel free to do so on all of those social media things. Um, we're going to take another hit because I need to take a hit with you on the show because it is the anniversary, And I mean, it only feels right. It seems right. It seems like we should do it. If you hear some coughing grow up shows about a trans woman and weed. Right. Right. So if you have anything that you want to send to us, like you already know what the socials are. If you need them again, I'm going to give them again right now. Here are the socials uh, on Twitter. It is at the Tranos and that's capital T-H-E, capital T-R-A-N-O-S. On Instagram, it's at Tranos Lives, all lowercase T-R-A-N-O-S-L-I-V-E-S. On TikTok. All lowercase, T-H-E-T-R-A-N-O-S, any questions that you have, because it's a, a new year's coming up and we want to put out some new content for you and I don't want this to become stale and I would like to move towards more interaction with uh, fans of the show. So make sure you reach out to us. I definitely want to hear something back about this because I've noticed that I just want to notice if anybody else, if any marginalized group of people um that are listening currently have experienced the same things um, on TikTok specifically. Their al algorithm seems very weird to me. It's very new because I'm very old. But um, once again, uh, this has been a whole year in the making. We've done a lot of episodes, everything from like us talking about like uh, uh, the data sister still to us talking about the murder of Daniel Prude um, to us talking about like even I am trying not to contribute to the furthering trauma of of brown people while still trying to remain uh, steadfast and reporting what's going on from my perspective. I want to take a moment. Um, at the top of the hour, I thanked um, 
I think I thank Jonathan Huber for inspiring me and pushing me to do this. Um, he died on December 26th of last year. And it's just been really rough, like, wanting to, like, message him and wanting to, like, honor him and not be disrespectful. Because you see a lot of that when famous people die. And let's be real. Like, he's, he was famous for everybody else. But he was my friend. Like, he was a friend. He was a friend in a long life of, like, loneliness. And, like, to lose someone as important as he was in my life. And I know he wouldn't have seen it as that. He wouldn't have seen it as he was such an inspiration because he was very humble. But he was always very nice. He was always very real. He was very protective. Um, the last conversations that me and him had kind of inspired episodes that we had. Um, the benchmark for all accomplices. Um, the benchmark for that comes from John's activity as like a person who was willing to speak out on behalf of, of those who needed a voice to let, to raise people up. That spirit of this show comes from John. Um, my outrageousness and my willingness to be open about who I am and, 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 and what I do and where I've been, that that's a mixture of inspiration from, <laughs> from John and Felicia, they both like went so much into what this show has become. And I'm super proud because I finally feel like I have something that's mine, something that's pure, something that'll leave a legacy. I don't have children. This is my child. Um, I work really hard on thinking about these episodes and thinking about the content that we're putting out there and being aware of how it impacts people. And I want to thank the Huber family. I want to thank all of the Huber family for just co consistently being kind and raising such an honorable man. I want to thank his wife. I want to thank his children. I want to thank his cousins. I want to thank his brother. HB1, I love you. I know we haven't spoke in a while, um, but I love you and I miss you. And I'm going to reach out to you as soon as possible. Um, I know things are hectic now, so I don't want to inundate you with another call from a, a forgotten face. Um, I miss I'm, I, I miss John a lot. Today's been really hard, and I didn't know if I wanted to record this. And this kind of like leads back to the first day. Um, I had done my recordings the day before. We had started um, the, um, the um, we had started putting everything up. We were talking about what time we we're going to put it out, and right as like right as my first episode was airing I got the news and it was devastating and I almost pulled everything and I felt like John would have called me a fucking mark for doing so and I'm glad that I did uh, to have to share this anniversary with a day that was so vitally important to who I will become in the future uh, means a lot. John meant a lot. And a lot of people are missing you today. And I plan on dedicating this next year of content to being bigger and better and to being more vulnerable and being more real because I feel like that's what he would have wanted from me. He never hesitated, like, when I told him what was going on in my life. I mean, he was traveling the world and doing big things. And it felt so 
so good for because our relationship never really changed from him being an independent wrestler to be him being on the world stage. He stayed a good man. A lot of people let that kind of fame go to their head, seeing yourself on T-shirts and seeing yourself on posters and, and, and being world renowned, having a post about you constantly, having people constantly talking about your content and what you did, what you did in the ring. But I got to witness how you were with your family. I got to witness how you were with the boys respectfully, air quotes, um, I got to see the man you were in the back. I got to see how you did business. And I really, like, I, I really miss you. And there's a lot of people out there who've made some shitty comments today. And I'm not going to waste the energy on confronting you. Um, those comments mean that you didn't know John. The problem is, is a lot of people are mourning the death of a wrestler. I am mourning the passing of an inspiration. I'm mourning the passing of a brother. I'm mourning the, pa the, the passing of a cousin, a husband, a father. I'm mourning the passing of an immortal. And... Today's show has been a little bit all over the place, but it's bittersweet. It's bittersweet. I miss my friend, but I'm very proud of the progress that I've made in this tumultuous year where I've lost many. I've lost cousins, other family members. I've lost some friends. But John was family. I want to take this time to remind all of you that if you have a loved one that you haven't spoken to and it's over something dumb, reconcile it now. Swallow your pride. The world's getting a lot different now. The world's changing. I'm going to be here to report on it from my perspective. I'm going to bring the lived experience um, every episode from here on out. I can promise you that. And what we're going to do is some new changes in the upcoming year. Uh, we are going to move to a once a week format. So you'll be getting more trainos in the lived experience. And I hear this voice in the back of my head just kind of pushing me and saying, get out there. Like, you got this. You can do this. And i I want to I want to say that that's a mixture of people. I want to say that it's my mom. I want to say that it's my great grandmother. I want to say that it's my grandmother, but I also know that it's John. And the loss of loved ones is super hard. But we honor them with our actions. And they all live in our memories. This has been Tranos and the Lived Experience. The show that pushes on. COVID is not over. Just a reminder. Um, get your boosters if you can. 
If you want the world to keep running the way you think it should, then you need to help with doing so. And we cannot take away the value of others' lives for the sake of our own hubris. So go get a booster. Once again, this is Tranos and the Lived Experience, the show that will drive you to the fucking clinic to get your booster. And give me that shit. Hurry up and get down there. My name's Cameron Ellen Jarrell. Peace.